Hello and welcome to the Korean Beauty Show podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Lee, founder of Style Story, where you can shop, learn, and explore the world of Korean skincare, and the founder of K Beauty brand, Jelly Co. Welcome back. I hope everyone had a great weekend and I'm very excited to have you join me once again. Uh, now, I don't. I know I did mention last week that it seemed like the headlines, the news was a little bit light on, but luckily there was plenty of good stuff in the news headlines over the last week. So let us dive right in and take a look. Now, the first thing that I really, as soon as I saw it, I knew I wanted to have a chat with you about it was... The headline talking about how customers are using mobile phones for their purchases, particularly when it comes to e-commerce and beauty, but companies are still stuck in the past. And the reason that I really wanted to discuss this is because this has been a massive bugbear of mine for the last probably five years, and it just keeps coming up again and again. So let me explain what I mean. Many domestic Korean beauty brands the article was discussing have been sluggish in terms of their performance because they don't have a clear mobile strategy. And in the case of many of the luxury brands, one of the reasons that they don't is because they are still insisting on offline stores as the main source of their business. And I cannot tell you how many times this has cropped up for us and for me at Style Story. Obviously, we started as a digital store, as an e-commerce store many years ago, 2014, which was honestly kind of before the period when a lot of people were shopping for most things online. Uh, It was still a little bit out there, you know, like particularly for beauty, there was the definite sense that people wanted to try things, they wanted to smell it, and that it'd be a lot harder to buy online. And that was pretty much the case in 2014 when we first started. It was a little bit, people were a little bit more hesitant, and not everyone thought that having an online store was, you know, the bee's knees or the be all and end all. And things have really changed. Obviously, the pandemic has completely changed the way people shop all around the world. And a survey done last year by a market research firm Statista showed that mobile has surpassed PC in e-commerce sales basically since 2018. So this is not a new trend at all. But the thing that I had come across multiple times with multiple Korean companies was that they wanted an offline partner in Australia. They weren't interested in dealing with us, in talking to us, or even meeting with us as soon as they found out that we were only online. And I think that some of that was, you know, maybe the sense that, oh, we can do it ourselves if it's just online, which is definitely not as easy as people think, particularly if you don't know the local market, but also just really ignoring the fact that, you know, the chances of you getting straight offline without an online presence of some sort is just not the way it works in most countries. And so there was almost this sense of maybe... I don't know, a little bit of a haughtiness, like it's just online, like who cares? We're an offline brand in Korea and we deserve to be offline everywhere we are. That was kind of a little bit of the attitude that we used to run into, particularly for a lot of the bigger brands. Uh, And, you know, we would reach out to them and try and, you know, set up a meeting or whatnot. And the first thing they wanted to know was, well, what are your channels? You know, what are your distribution channels? How many stores do you have offline? And they pretty much, it was just like, you know, 
silence on the other end when we said we were online. But it's interesting that this is still the mindset even today in 2023. And a lot of the companies that were mentioned in the article are, you know, still being very, very stubborn about it. Obviously, channel strategies do vary brand by brand. Some of the bigger uh, stores definitely do have online, but a lot of them really do prioritize their offline channels, department stores, duty-free and all of those kind of things. And some of them, if they do have online, interestingly, they will be using e-commerce platforms like Naver or Coupon, which is basically the Korean version of eBay. And that is not the same thing as running your own branded online store for your brand. And there are quite different um, experiences, particularly for customers shopping online at somewhere like say eBay or Amazon versus shopping on the brand's own platform. And I actually think, and this is what the article said as well, that it is very important to strengthen your own brand's mobile capabilities and have your own online store as a priority and as a key strategy as well. Just some of the reasons why it's a good idea. Branding, obviously. You want your store and your products to be branded the way you want. And that is not the same if you are just on another e-commerce, you know, platform, you do want to have that strong, consistent branding. The other big thing is that it has far more advantages in terms of securing loyal customers as well. You can talk directly to your customers, you can email them and do things like that uh, and get people on your email list. So I thought that that was really interesting. This article is basically saying, you know, Korea's top brands have yet to properly take the opportunities for their sales growth through mobile devices. And I think that is because because historically they have looked down on e-commerce. There is no doubt in my mind about that. So interestingly, Uh, that is still a bit of a problem for a lot of these brands, even in 2023. Now, don't even get me started on mobile and website functionality in Korea. It is an absolute disaster. If you speak to any foreigner that lives in Korea, they will tell you that navigating Korean websites, the way they're set out, um, the payments and whatnot is nothing short of an absolute nightmare. Uh, I think a few more tourists had a taste of that when they were visiting Korea recently. Anyone that's visited and needed to get uh, the visa, um, the KESTA, I think is what they were calling it, but basically, you know, a visa. Uh, to come here as a tourist and oh my god that site was an absolute minefield to navigate particularly for the older generation of you know for example my mom and dad my mother-in-law who were just like mind blown literally could not work out how to use these Korean websites Uh, so that has been a weak point in Korea in general I would say but I thought that was an interesting article so I wanted to share that with you Uh, the other thing that I think a few of you will definitely be interested in is that there have been some new K-beauty marketing trends identified in 2023. So a company called Mezzo Media has published basically an industry analysis report on the current status and prospects of digital advertisements in the cosmetics industry. And they've identified a couple of new trends coming through. So let me run through those with you in a little bit more detail. The first one is functional hair care. Uh, If you're not familiar with that phrase, basically we're talking 
talking about products that will target things like hair loss, hair damage, hair stress, and people worried about graying hair. Now, this you might be going, well, why is that a new trend? That kind of sounds like something that's been around for a little while, and you would be correct. The difference is who the products are being marketed to. And this MZ, MZ generation that we've been talking about, millennials and Gen Z combined, they are the new target of a lot of these advertisements. So they're using models in that generation, like popular, I guess, celebrities and things like that. And the reason is that more and more young people are starting to worry about these kind of things and they're wanting to take preventative measures for their hair. So companies are also then eager to launch the functional hair care products that can be easily used every day to try and target this. So that is an interesting new one, uh, is that more young people are interested. And I wonder if it's because there's more knowledge among young people, perhaps they've seen their own fathers or maybe their own fathers-in-law or things like that, uncles and whatnot, struggle with hair loss, struggle with, um, you know, thinning, male pattern baldness, all of these kind of things. And they're kind of looking ahead and going, I don't want that to be me. I can definitely think of a few people that I know that that is them for sure. And they're worried about that. Uh, I don't know if this is as much of a concern, particularly for younger males in other countries, but definitely in Korea it is. Uh, and, you know, the, the people are marketed to around this kind of thing a lot more here as well because there are so many clinics set up to do, um, you know, hair transplant and anti-hair loss treatments and things like that. So you'll see the signs for them on the subway. You'll see billboards and things like that advertising the services that they can do. I think that that probably has something to do with it, particularly if you're talking about people living in Seoul. But that was an interesting trend. Now, the other big one is the growth in the men's beauty market. Again, this has been rising for the last couple of years. It rose 7% year on year from 2020 to 2021 and then recorded a 10% growth year on year last year. So it's expanding and also diversifying in terms of the kinds of products that are on offer for the men, things like foundations, color lip balms, as well as dedicated basic cosmetics, which if you ask me, I think is a little bit of a rot. Normally what happens with the men's cosmetics is it's the same stuff in different, more manly looking bottles in inverted commas. uh, And and they add some manly style fragrances in. That's pretty much all it is. Like there is not a major difference most of the time in what men need from their skincare and what women need from their skincare. Uh, you know, barring, of course, like working in certain fields or jobs or things like that. Obviously, if you're doing manual labor and you work outside, you're going to need probably a little bit more heavy strength, for example, sunscreens and things like that compared to maybe a woman that works inside. But in general, the idea of dedicated male cosmetics, I personally think is a little bit of a beat up and a marketing grab, uh, but it is growing in terms of the market itself. So lots of new uh, advertising trends around that as well, which I thought was interesting. Now, the other big one that we have, I feel like we've been speaking about this for a while, but it just is not going away anytime soon is the conscious beauty market. So people are looking to shop more ethically, more responsibly. Now, what that means is up to pretty much whoever is marketing it towards consumers. Uh, Obviously by that, I'm talking about all of the natural beauty claims, the clean beauty claims, the apps that, you know, can go through all of the ingredient lists and, you know, 
basically put your finger out in the wind and you know pick a few things that you don't like the sound of um, and you know avoid them all of the EWG marketing claims the idea that parabens cause cancer all of these sorts of things that's part of that part of the industry the other thing is I guess a more relevant and pressing need and that is the need to reduce packaging and uh, and the need for more eco-friendly products in the market in terms of packaging and this has been a growing thing that a lot more consumers are actively looking out for we did our market research on that last year for Jellyco and we made a solid effort with our latest launch which is our lip sleeping mask to actually incorporate a lot of that into the uh, the packaging and the product itself so the kinds of things that we did were looking at reducing the weight of the product because obviously if it's less heavy in flight if it's you know being transported around that is better for carbon emissions we also used glass instead of plastic and we used recycled paper for the box and we're printing on soybean ink so they were some of the things that we were taking into account that part of the market I don't think is a beat up at all the natural claims and the idea that natural ingredients are necessarily better for you which is often tied up in a lot of this and vegan as well in Korea the idea that vegan products are necessarily better for you and the environment some of that is a little bit more questionable but this in terms of marketing and trend is one of the big ones so conscious beauty now the other thing that I pulled out from this survey that I thought was really interesting because I think that this is probably the case all over the world is that consumers in their 20s are looking for things like the like how their skin type is catered for when it comes to them uh, purchasing a product. Uh, you know, they want to make sure that this product is going to be the right fit for their skin. Whereas uh, older consumers, the thing that they were more worried about was the brands and the manufacturers. So they consider that first before purchasing, whereas the younger people are more worried about, does it suit me and my skin type? And I thought that that was really interesting because I think that this is definitely a generational divide. I think that when it comes to older people, you know, there maybe is the kind of mindset that if the brand has been around for a while, if it's a brand I know and recognize, then the product must be good. So I'll buy that. Whereas when it comes to younger people they're like no 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 like I don't care if the brand is the same brand that my nana used I want a product that is going to work for me and my skin Uh, I would be surprised if that's different or really different across countries you'll have to let me know if that rings true for your country uh, basically consumers in their 50s in Korea who cited brands and manufacturer uh, manufacturers as their major factors accounted for 50 percent of all respondents so that's a lot uh, whereas you know the people in their 20s who thought that their skin type was a really important or a major factor to consider that was 39 percent so very interesting results there. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed reading this this week's headlines, so I thought I would share some of those with you. Now, one of our lovely listeners has answered my request. Thank you very much and left her review for the podcast. Uh, so I will share that with you. See, she said, curious about K-beauty? Look no further. I've been curious about K-beauty for years, but just never knew where to start. I was also kind of scared because I thought the Korean products included 
included loads of crazy ingredients and I just wasn't sure if my skin could handle it. But then came Lauren. She explains everything you need to know in a clear, fun and interesting way. I was surprised to discover that K-Beauty is often more gentle on the skin than many other Western products I've been using over the years. By listening to the podcast, you'll learn exactly what you should and shouldn't do based on your specific skin type and needs. I also feel that she's always honest with her opinion and would never recommend anything that she doesn't believe in. I contacted her twice with some questions and both times she replied quickly and kindly. I'm here to stay. Thank you so much, Lauren. Thank you very much. I really, really appreciate that. And you are always welcome to leave a review if you too would like your review to be let uh, read out on the show. I would love to do that. Uh, and I just love hearing your feedback as well. I love to know what benefit you're getting from the podcast, how you're using it, what you want to hear more of. All of those good things, please come and find me. Let me know. Leave your thoughts. Share your thoughts. We love five-star reviews on this show. (laughs) All right. Now, let us get into the question of the week. Uh, And this actually did come from one of my Instagram followers. She was after some recommendations for oily skin. She said, I've got dewy makeup without even trying, Uh, which, you know, on the one hand, some people probably will be jealous of that. But look, there is jokes aside, there is a little bit of a difference between dewy and oily. Uh, And when it comes to makeup, you can kind of tell that as well. So a few things that can help. Number one is a good primer to keep everything in place. Now, Some people say, I don't really get primer. I don't really understand the point of it. You know, what do I really need one? And when it comes to oily skin, I honestly think that primers can help. I don't think they're a waste of time for people that have oily skin. And even though they do sometimes get a bad wrap, ones with silicones in them that really smooth over the pores, something like Vanillaco's Prime Primer can be a really good option to keep everything mattified. Now, when it comes to silicones, in K-Beauty. I've actually done an entire episode on that. If that's something that you're worried about, or you've maybe heard, um, you know, that you need to avoid silicones or things like that, I will include a link to that episode. Go back and have a listen and make the call for yourself. As long as you're washing everything off properly and something like a primer, you'd be, it'd be underneath your makeup. As long as you're doing a good double cleanse at the end of the day, I have no qualms in recommending that to people that actually need it. And oily skin can really benefit from things like that. The other thing that will help if you're not already using one is a good setting powder after your makeup. Now, Innisfree's No Sebum Packed, and then they also have a loose powder. Very good options on the market that are cheap, cheerful, won't cost a fortune and give really nice results as well. Funnily enough, setting powders in Korean beauty are not as common as you would think. Uh, And the reason I know is not because I tend to use one myself, but because my mum does. She loves a good setting powder. And whenever she's in Korea, she's she's in the mindset that I'm going to save up all my beauty shopping for when I'm in Korea and, you know, check out what's new and what's what's good. 
which is a great idea. But every single time, <laughs> I swear we have this conversation every single time she comes, she's like, now, I need a new powder. And I'm like, you, we've had this conversation before. It's really hard to find powder here. And we, we go around and have a look in all the shops. And there's only a few brands, honestly, that actually even make one. Vanilla makes one. I think Espoir makes some or used to in the past. But the Innisfree ones, I just don't think you can go back past them. I think they're really, really good options. So that's another good one. Now, the other thing that you can look into, and this might seem a little counterintuitive, but you know, I love me a good spray, a good mist spray. And there are mattifying options as well. One of the ones that I personally can't use myself because it is just too mattifying is the April B Centella Mist Spray Serum. But people that have oily combination and acne prone skin love it. It is a very, very popular product. So if you do have that kind of skin type, that might be a good option. You can use it a couple of different ways. And one of them is at your uh, toning step instead of your toner, just to keep everything nice and matte. So a few different options for you that can help. The other thing is you might want to have a look into, particularly if you're using Korean makeup, just make sure that the BB cream or cushion or foundation or whatever you're using is the mattifying one and not one of the dewy ones. If you're using something that has like a super dewy finish it's just going to be harder to get all of these other things to work properly so that's the only other thing I would say just make sure that you're not using like the dry skin or dewy skin option some of the brands do have a differentiation or a variation in between the um, products that they have on offer so just double check that as well Okay, now we are going to go and have a look. This is quickly becoming my new favorite segment, which is why did you buy this K-Beauty product? So we have been asking our customers uh, when they check out, why did you buy this? And I love reading everyone's answers because people are brutal. People are harsh. People People will tell you and they'll tell you often in this segment what they don't like and other products. This is the, 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 uh, review feature where people tend to unleash on other products I found. So I don't know that we have any of those for this week, but we did get some really good answers. And the first one was uh, for Subi's Bare Skin Balm. And our a purchaser, our customer said, it's the best makeup remover. Feels like butter on your skin. That's why she bought it. So thank you for sharing that. The next one was for Subi's Perfect Pimple Patch. And our customer said, best pimple patch. After one day, my pimples don't feel hard anymore and it doesn't hurt either. So that's exactly what you want. Thank you very much. Our last reviewer was giving her thoughts for why she purchased Jellico Bubble Tea Steam Cream. And she said, best cream. I use it at night. No irritation soft and full of hydration short and sharp for this week so thank you very much to everyone who shared their thoughts I really do love this segment I think I think we might even have to bring this into the mix a little bit more often but I hope you've been enjoying them as well and don't forget to leave your reviews when you purchase things on our website you can earn those sweet sweet rewards points that a lot of people have been coming through and claiming as well Uh, and you can get some good discounts I'm talking like $10, $20 off your products. So make sure that you do uh, sub- like enter your details so that you can sign up for a membership account and make sure you redeem your points as well. If you need help, reach out to our team anytime. We are happy to help. 
Uh, so another little offer or PSA that I have for you is our Mother's Day offer. Buy one, get one free. We have a special Mother's Day offer for Australian Mother's Day, which is for our Jelly Coat Cherry Blossom Sleeping Mask. We're giving you one for you and one for your mom for the price of one. It's buy one, get one free. Make sure that you click on the little gift icon or the present icon on the product page and you can claim the second product. Uh, It basically says buy one, get one free. So just click on that and then both will go into your shopping cart. Just make sure that they're both in there before you check out. Um, We've had a couple of people uh, email and be like, oh my gosh, I'm not sure if I did it right. But if you click on the little present uh, icon on the product page they'll both go into your cart and be sitting there for you when you check out so enjoy that one one for you one for mom courtesy of us you're very welcome (laughs) and now on to our recommendation of the week so look it is warming up here I'm not sure about where you're from maybe it's getting a bit cooler if you're in Australia but I think no matter where you are in the world, this is probably a good time if you haven't already to try a Korean bingsu. Now, this is one of my absolute favorite things to eat as soon as it warms up a little bit. And basically what it is, people are often like, I've seen it, but I don't know enough about what it is to try it. It's a shaved ice dessert. The best way I can think about describing it is like little flakes almost of ice cream but all put together and then with like a topping on top. Now, some of the tried and tested toppings that are just like classics are things like mango. Mango bingsu is absolutely amazing. Normally what they'll do is they'll have some kind of like a mango um, dressing, I guess, or sauce that they'll drizzle over it and then they'll chop up actual mango and then they'll also have mango ice cream. That is amazing. If you are a fan of red bean, which I know not everyone is, that's the the sweet um, little beans. I think they call them azuki beans in, in, um, in some places, but it's red bean. Uh, it's a little bit of an acquired taste, I will say. Not everyone that likes sweet things likes red bean, but if you do, red bean bingsu, which we call pat bingsu in Korea, is amazing. Highly recommend. Another really, really traditional Korean flavor that I personally love is injolmi. And injolmi is basically like this chewy little rice cake, and it has a very particular flavor. I would say if you like like toasted or roasted marshmallows and chewy textures, you may enjoy injolmi, but this is a really good season for them. Basically, you know, look, some people eat them all year, even in winter, uh, but me personally, I love to enjoy them when the weather starts to heat up a little bit. So if you haven't already tried one of them, I'm going to put a picture in the show notes so you know what I'm talking about. Don't be scared of them. They are really delicious. They're a lot lighter than like a traditional ice cream or gelato just because of how the how it's flaked how they put the flakes together are delicious absolutely delicious if you can get one with lots of fresh fruit on it they are also amazing so if you haven't already tried bingsu that is my recommendation of the week all right i am going to finish it up here for today i will be back in your ears shortly and until then i will see you on style story (laughs) 